Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. Put me on the thing. Can you do this? Can do you what? Do, I'm like too no, dumb no. to get on the internet here. I I can't because I'm not smart. I never went to college. Uh, no, I have a master's. You're on the internet. One of the two. I do have a master's, but I never went to college. Uh, let me try another browser. Because I was like a degenerate. Yeah, you're on. You're on okay. Yeah, All right. Just Close out those things. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Molly never went to college. to college. Um, okay. Yes. You ready? To, you ready to yes. start? Yeah. Yes. Get it, get it, fucking good. And she paid attention to the, the horrible social media summit today. So I was. Oh, oh that, yeah. That's I wrote about it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> um, You're gonna, we're gonna talk do a little. Like a little brother. Uh, uh, you fucking cunt like. No, that's a girl. That's good. He's a more Mancunian. All right. So. Um, Ready to go? Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Let's cool. do it. Ladies and gentlemen, comrades, compañeros, <laughs> fifth columnists, you traitors behind enemy lines. Welcome to another edition of the Fifth Column Podcast. Camille, you might have noticed, is not here because his life is a complete disaster. He, he's become it's Michael disaster. Keaton in that movie. Oh, right? my God. Like, yeah. what, what, which one is that? <laughs> the, like the Money the, Pit. The, the Money, money pit. pit. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're gonna, I'm going to introduce that voice in a second. Matt Welch, Woo. editor at large, which means he does fuck all at Reason Magazine, uh, usually Don't on MSNBC, know. right? Sometimes you're on Bill Maher. Who pays you, by the way? Uh, what are you doing? The George. Federalist. <laughs> the, whoever funds the yeah, Federalist but, uh, pay, the pays me. Okay, so you just get a check from uh, from like Rick Koch, like one of the off-brand yeah. Koch brothers. <laughs> and I'm Michael Moynihan, national correspondent for Vice News Tonight on HBO. Oh, that um, still exists? That still exists, yeah, yeah. I have a piece on tonight about insulin. Um, but because Camille's uh, under like some sheetrock right now, this will come out in six weeks. So <laughs> you can find the piece on YouTube at that point and the show will have been canceled. Uh, <laughs> in the studio with us, we have a guest. We have a, a, quite a guest. Yeah. We have a guest that has a double-barreled last name. <laughs> Molly Jong. Some people say Molly Jong. Molly Jong Fast. The hyphenation is because her grandfather is Howard Fast, which we'll get to very soon, who wrote Spartacus and was a Stalinist at some point. Um, we talked well, about this for a long time. For a long time. Yeah. <laughs> he was a little late uh, in renouncing <laughs> Stalinism. Molly Welcome to the show. Thank you. Where should we say that you hang your hat these days? I see you I, all over the place. I'm at okay. Bill Crystal's house. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you, you leave know, your hat? Woke teenage son was like, I will never call Bill Crystal daddy. Oh, you have a woke teenage son? <laughs> yeah, he's on Twitter at woke teenage son. Uh, oh my god! Really? Yeah. Oh, he's oh. very woke. He's really woke. He, I said, he was complaining about a friend of mine and he said, you know, she's not even a real liberal. And I said, well, what am I if you don't think she's a liberal? And he goes, you're a neocon. Wow. <laughs> you got accused of being a neocon. Now, Molly John Fast, you, we, we mentioned Howard Fast. Um, for those but of you who are I'm quite clever. I'm a contributor. You're a contributor to. At the Bulwark the and the Daily Beast. So and they the Daily Beast. Cancel, cancel each other Exactly. Out. exactly. Yeah. Um, and if you do recognize the other name. Your mother is Erica Jong. Yes. Fear of Flying. 
And the only uh, writer that I'm aware of, I uh, mentioned in a Bob Dylan song, I, in Highlands on Time Out of Mind, the longest song on any Dylan record at 16 minutes and I think 31 seconds. The only writer mentioned in Dylan? I'm sure I don't know, the fact that, that I can remember that's an actual like novelist. Um, there's a lyric it's not about an Italian uh, poet from the. But it's 12th kind of, by the way, there, if you look it up, it's kind of like an anti-identity politics from Bob Dylan. Yes. Where you know, he's like, "What does it matter if I read women writers?" But he says, "You're wrong. I read Erica Jung." But it's a it's a great song. And uh, so your mother, um, who I defended once in a situation in Sweden uh, against <laughs> someone who called her a racist. By the way, I'll tell you the story oh, after. Oh, after. after. Yeah, oh. no, no, no. Because our listeners don't care. Yeah, That's they don't. That's all they care. You know, no, by, they by, by the way, every time I say that, I get a shitload of messages like, dude, why didn't you tell that story about like some, you know, weird person that nobody cares? Howard Fast, like brother Tom Fast, who was a trot. Jerry Fast. Jerry Fast was he the brother. He wrote a book that was a huge bestseller. Really? Yeah, because nobody remembers books. So yes. this book was a bestseller, but nobody cares. And it was called Body Language. And, and it was about body language. It was pretty dumb. It was <laughs> I can say. I mean, the dumber books oh. have been written by family members, but this was high on the really? list of dumb books. Yeah, it was what, dumb. Uh, your, your mother's book, Fear of Flying, I think sold 27 million copies, Jeez. by the way. Something around that. A lot. Um, that your response to that showed me that you have a problematic <laughs> relationship with your mother. But um, <laughs> no, no, uh, no. you're like, yeah, sure, she, whatever. Well, no, Just it, with her success. It, what is the worst book in the family, though? What's the worst book well, that somebody? The body in language book is bad, but also my dad, who hopefully won't listen to this, once wrote a novel. I mean, we're writers, so we've written a lot yeah. of crap in this yeah. family. Yeah. It's like being a. I want to say it's like it's you know it's like it's not. There's you write a lot of crap. So he wrote a novelization of Newsies. Oh wow! In the eighties. Oh my god! Yeah, that was bad. Newsies bad enough to begin with. Right. The novelization. The novelization of, it, I mean. of a movie that became a it's, musical. Yeah, better wow. convert that to porn. Yeah. Or wow! But I think it made money. I yeah. think that book made money. Um, it I, also filled you with shame. But yeah, the money canceled out the shame. Once you get to a certain level of shame, there it's you're done. <laughs> like it's you're topped off. You can't. You're fine. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. So you you wrote a piece uh, for the New York Review of Books, I think this year, which yeah. I, 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 about your mother. Yeah. Tell, give me the premise of this piece. So I actually think I was being. She's actually kind of great in her own strange she's way. She's kind of like an OG feminist, right? I mean, that's well, probably she's a, a se- I would say she's like a second wave feminist. She's yeah. somewhere between Camille Paglia and Betty Friedan. And Betty Friedan. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, yeah. she's better looking than both those. I'm not allowed to say that. Don't nope. scratch that from the record. <laughs> no. uh, it's not about how you look. By it? the way, I don't think anyone would be like, oh my God, she doesn't think Betty Friedan's beautiful. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, she's sort of a second wave feminist, very, you know, she's gotten older. It's funny because i friendly, a little bit friendly with E. Jean Carroll, and mm-hmm. I wrote a lot about her, and I was thinking about, like, watching her on TV. She seems, she's kind of that same kind of wacky, 70-something wacky. woman of a certain age. Now, to be a, clear that she is the woman who uh, recently accused Donald Trump of fondling her at a Macy's, right? Uh, at a Bergdorf good raping in a Bergdorf. I don't know. Yes. I, I've, been, I've been out of the country. <laughs> it, was, I, it was like a Woolworths. It was a heavy yeah, it was, she, okay. she, she spent a lot of time describing the Bergdorfs, so yeah. I think she would be equally yeah. upset about the Macy's. But she also the, refused to rape. describe it as rape, right? On CNN. Well, I saw that clip. Yeah, she's... Uh, yeah. Her clips haven't been very uh, she's strong. Not, yeah, her television 
Do you think that's why that thing? I mean, as someone who knows her, I mean, do you think that's why that story hasn't, you know, had his legs that we, I guess at this point, we don't like, we expect all this stuff from Trump. I think we're at the saturation point with Trump raping people. I think it would be real hard to, I mean, the people who are on board don't, they don't care. And in fact, they, you see, and I wrote about this in some piece about this, where they're sort of thrilled. You know, there were women at these things wearing T-shirts that said, Trump can grab my whatever. So yeah. I think pussy was the word. Right? Yeah. Well, I'm having been to these things, <laughs> I think Trump would object to grabbing the things of any of the people who are wearing those shirts. Right. Well, that's the pro- I mean, that's yeah. the thing is he yeah. wouldn't actually have sex with his base. No. <laughs> math on that is kind of strange. But Bernie would, if we're being honest. Right? Did you see the thing where Bernie, where the guy patted him on the back, the UPS guy? No, no. There's like a gif going around of a UPS guy patting Bernie on the back. And I and it was like proof that he's a man of the people. And it's funny because it's like I find Bernie really charming. Like every yeah. time I hear – because yeah. – and I think some of it is because I'm Jewish and I have Jewish yeah. grandparents – so, like, when I watch him, I think, like, this guy just wants to take care of me, you know. He's an avuncular Jewish grandfather. Right. Yeah. I just from, can't yeah. imagine. Brooklyn. From Brooklyn. From Bro- yeah. With an accent. Like, but who's, lived, who's lived in Vermont for, like, 500 years and he still talks like that. Yeah, like, literally a, nobody <laughs> in Vermont. Vermont. Yeah, and he's like, like the mayor of Burlington. Everyone's like, what fucking city do I live in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, but, but he, I find him incredibly charming, too. I've mentioned yeah. that I've interviewed him a couple of times and I mentioned on the show that I've always really enjoyed talking to him. I mean, I really did. I thought he was, but he um, is notoriously, and this is particularly for, from TV crews, um, notoriously kind of a dick. Good for And him, he's man. been like, people are like, oh my God, he was so mean to me. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like a grumpy old man. You're yeah. trying to put a mic on him and you're running your hand up his like shirt, right? And like that, he's just like, I don't like the touching, don't with the, the, the tits you're grabbing. I'm like, what? No, he doesn't like that. What the fuck would he like that for? Yeah, I'd probably like it, actually. <laughs> anyway. But, you, but your your mom, get back to your mother, you yeah. wrote you wrote a, a piece about her. And, and, and again, if you don't know Erica Jong, um, you're not as literate as you thought you were. Um, uh, she, her biggest book was Fear of Flying, yeah. right? And that just launched her into the stratosphere. Yeah. And what is, what is the piece about? Is it about your relationship with her? It's called My Mother's Daughter. It's about that weird thing about being a writer. And also, oh, it was actually about this documentary. So she was very close with Nora. Well, no, she had this weird relationship with Nora Ephron. Yeah. Where she sort of was a little bit jealous of her. And Nora Ephron sort of did what mom wanted to do. She became... Mary Carl Bernstein? No, nobody... (laughs) Actually, I really like Carl Bernstein. I shouldn't say that. He's really a nice guy. But that was not the highlight of Nora Ephron's life. Bob Woodward, by the way, kind of an asshole. Yeah. Just, he was addicted. He shushed me one time in a green room. Did he really? I'll never forgive him for it. Yeah. 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 And I was with a comedian and and he was like, did you... (laughs) Rich Foss. And he he said, did you just get shushed by the Watergate guy? And I was like, I think so. (laughs) But the joke is like... Carl, the last time I saw him, he like gave me a big hug and was like, just so he's like a nice guy, but I think a bad husband for that first. But I mean, if you read Heartburn, you would think not a good husband. Not only for did that I not read Heartburn marriage. and wouldn't think about it, but I, that's because I worked at a movie theater in the summer of 1986. Oh, right. And so you saw that shitty movie was. I <laughs> had a Heartburn like, movie? Was oh, yeah, it was, uh, oh, it was Meryl Streep and. Uh, yeah. and uh, oh, dear. Who played the other guy? It, was, it might have been Robert De Niro or like he was some leading man at the time uh, or Jack Nicholson. Uh, and uh, and it was just a grisly, awful dream. But the book slog. is fun. Fun? 
I mean, it's fun and a fun yeah, divorce book. Fun I do. Divorce I do, do want to say it's a Mike, it's a Mike Nichols movie, but I want to say, Matt, I'm pretty impressed that you, it was 1986. You're right. Yeah. Well, I only worked at a movie theater for one summer. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it was I, like I, Top I Gun, Apples, I was Ferris seven. Bueller's, and uh, and uh, goddamn heartburn. I'm I so remember. grateful to have been seven, seven or eight in 1986. Yeah, yeah appropriately, the music, the music was done by Carly Simon. I wouldn't. Oh, I wouldn't Carly. think it was. Yeah, it's so um, 80s. Yeah, it's very 80s. Um, so your your mom, she she had this complicated relationship yeah. with Nora Ephron, and Nora Ephron got really famous, and then Nora Ephron died, and Nora Ephron had a son who's my age. And who went to school, went to the good private school that I got kicked out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, every story with me involves like going to the good this and then getting kicked out. Or Why did you not get kicked be- out of school? Because I'm terrible at everything and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not good at anything. I mean, I mean, so far you're a pretty good podcast guest, but I mean, I, I you mean, got kicked yeah, out I'm, of school. G- give me the offense. I'm, I'm I hate to keep dumb. Diver- I mean, I can't. I couldn't read until I was like 13. I mean, I'm just not. To be clear, she couldn't find this. This studio. I was across, the, just across the street at Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering Applebee's. what part of Applebee's yeah. is right. have the, uh, the, I'm not, the microphone set up. Right. I mean, I have a sort of savantist charm at yeah. best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and sometimes not even the savantist part. But so I met. So anyway, she. So Nora Ephron died. The mm. centerpiece of the story is that she died and she had a document and her son made a documentary about her. And mom was incredibly jealous because this documentary, everybody loved this documentary. Everything is copy. And Jacob is much fancier than I am. He works at the Times. Everybody he used to work loves uh, the him. guy overlap with him at the Daily Beast. I right. Think. Yeah. The, yeah. So he is much fancier. So it was just a whole like how I failed her as a daughter. And yeah. then she decided she really wanted a documentary, even though <laughs> she wasn't dead. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel yeah. like that's a crucial part of this story. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Nora is dead. Yeah. There's I mean, no more Nora. Yeah. And, and it's sort of like, I mean, it's sort of like giving somebody a tip when they don't see in the tip jar and you <laughs> want to put it in when they're seeing it. Like you want the documentary when you're alive. If it's dead, it's not worth anything at that point. Exactly. But I do have to say to our listeners out there, we do have a guest in the studio now who is, uh, has a mother who says she wanted a documentary. Most of us don't have that. Yep. <laughs> my mother, my mother, you know, wanted a blanket most of the time. She's a bit chilly. I mean, I, she, so she wanted a documentary. Did she get one? Well, that's a problem. It's hard to get a documentary when you're alive. Yeah. And documentaries are kind of a scam. I think it's going to end up in a murder plot, by the way. <laughs> yeah. but go ahead. Yeah. Collect on the insurance. But documentaries are kind of a scam because they're all about like how, what, how many famous people you can get to be interviewed in them. Right. So she couldn't really get the good... So she finally found this guy who was like this German filmmaker to make the documentary, which is always, you know, anti-Semite, by the way, right. continue. Yeah. <laughs> when you get to the point where you're bringing in people from other countries <laughs> and English isn't so. So he's there and he comes in to interview us and he says, Erica Young. Right, exactly. Yeah. And he says, you know, they start saying something. And then she says, you know, well, we had an open marriage. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? And, and it, she's like, I thought you knew your father oh. and I had an open marriage. And I was like. Your mother coined the phrase zipperless fuck, right? Zipless. Zipless fuck, yeah. right? So, I mean, this shouldn't really be a surprise to you. You know, yes and no. They were only married for three years. Oh, like, wow. How did they have time to have an open marriage? Yeah. And also, I, I mean, you the make whole, time. Right. I guess you made time. Yeah. That's right. yeah. yeah. My mom wasn't open, but, you know, I pretended it was for three years. And, and my grand, <laughs> my grandparents both had Kidding open marriages, too. Yeah. What? Oh, really? Yeah. So then I was like, 
Are we, like, are we talking about Howard Fast? Yeah. Uh, well, Stalinist oh, author of right. Spartacus? Open yeah. or as my my father says, he just cheated on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she cheated on him towards the end too. So that's wow. good. That's yeah. not really open. That's just more classic. <laughs> so, so, so Molly, I think you're missing an opportunity here. Like, do you know Edward St. Aubin, the British writer, mm-hmm. who's written the Patrick Melrose series, yes. five novels, very, very good. And it's about his dysfunctional family. And it's fantastic. It's, a, it's one of some of my favorite books that I've read recently. Um, I think that's in your future. I mean, you should be writing about this insane family that you're part of. I, I, mean, I mean, you've written in a, in, a, in a small way for the New York Review. Of yeah, books, I've written stuff about it. I will again. I, you know, right now I'm more interested in strangeness in the world of politics. And also it's born. You spend so much time in a family like that. You get. That's it's true. It gets Boring. I'd move to Argentina to be yeah. honest with you. It, it gets boring, and you just—it's just there's something about it that's sort of, like, mm. you know, and the and and also I don't know. I'm I, I, that sounded bad, but they're boring. It gets boring. <laughs> so how did you go from the boring family to politics? I mean, you, you're, you're writing about politics. You hadn't previously written. about No, politics. I actually had this weird. So I had been a novelist. I'd written a bunch of novels, and then. I got into masters, and I never had been like a real journalist. Now, I had written just to interject earlier before we hit the yeah. tape. You said you got a master's, but you never went to school. No, I never got a college degree. Okay, uh, you're going to have to unpack that for me just a little bit. <laughs> so I was like a junkie in high school. <laughs> yeah, what were you? What Who kind of junkie? I? Like everything. I I uh, love, but I have to say, like my true love in life, even though I haven't had it in twenty one and a half years, is cocaine. I love. Yeah. There is literally, I love cocaine so much. The first time I did it, I did it every hour. I was like, this is amazing. Is it, is it, do I have a career, Matt? I don't think I do. Yeah, yeah. Does it matter yeah. what I say at this point? Does, I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because I, mean, I, I, I just want to, I want to second what Molly <laughs> says. Um, but unlike Molly, <laughs> I haven't had that fallow period yet. I'm waiting for it. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, or, no, or the honorary degree period. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, so you were like coked out in the, in the greatest drug ever. Yeah, and really I, I have to tell you, I literally like it, I, I, any. I can't even watch movies where they do it because I'm like, it's so amazing. Yeah. I just, I don't yeah. know. I have like the personality too that when I do cocaine, it's like I'm so great. But well, of course, everyone, yeah. everyone feels that. But, but <laughs> how, when was the last time you did cocaine? No, uh, 1990, uh, October of 1997. October 17th oh, at wow. 3 o'clock. You, love, yeah. it, you yeah. love it so much that you have a month with the year. <laughs> That's, That's right. Good. A year, I'm, I'm impressed that Matt worked in the theater in 1986. 28, 29, 30. Yeah. 30 was like the last day I did And what, 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 was the, what was the sort of breaking point? What would you say? I can't do this anymore. I can't. I couldn't. I mean, there were many a night where I couldn't do any more cocaine because of the nose. Like the yeah. nose is bleeding. You can't wow. get this stuff up. You love cocaine. Okay. I love like yeah. I seriously. Anyway, so then I went to rehab and I got sober and I was nineteen. And then so I, have you had a drink or drugs or uh, anything since nineteen? No, nothing, nothing. Except way, Matt, Matt and I are deep in our cups already. <laughs> just yeah, for the record, yeah, yeah. that bottle's gonna. Be when <laughs> when yeah. I had uh, surgery, I had pain pills, but that was it. That was it. That was it. Were they fun? Uh, they were okay. I mean, Mo- Molly, are you getting a call from? Yeah, I'm getting yeah. a call from a kid at camp. A kid wow, at camp. Yeah, fuck. No, it's an editor. Answer. Is it your yeah. kid or yeah. just a it's one kid? Of my kids. I don't know if like this is like an Epstein time kind no, of thing. It's no, like a kid it's at not, camp. It's one of my. <laughs> so you um, it's a, but you end up from from a uh, rehab drug nut 
novelist. Less, less yeah. than zero. Less, less than zero. And actually, I was friendly Casualty. with Brett. Brett yeah. Of course, yeah. 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 So, but he got mad at me because I wrote a piece about the nihilism. You know, it was like an interesting thing because he was such a nihilist. I wrote Normal Girl after I got sober, which was about sort of growing up nihilistic and fancy. And he wrote the screenplay. And we were friendly. I mean, he always sort of. I don't think he was like a huge fan of mine, but, you know, he tolerated me. And then um, he, we, he he wrote this book, White, which yeah. which Nick, lo- Nick Gillespie loves. Mm-hmm. and was like, it's so great. I read it and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever read in my entire <laughs> life. Like this person should be like Sean. And even this though, is and by the way, this is the new kind of Trumpy one. That yeah, the Trumpy. Yeah. And 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 it was like also just. It was clear. I mean, it's funny because it's like I know that world of like being a famous. I'm not that way, but I know a lot of people who are who are who are just like so pleased with themselves and their stories in their book are anecdotes of their lives in Beverly Hills, which isn't I don't think really indicative of the larger culture. And, uh, you know, he I found it to be just so distasteful. And then he um and you wrote about this? I wrote about it for the Daily Beast, and he was so mad at me, and he hates me now. So yeah, my first, I think one of my first assignments to Daily Beast was just kind of punishing me. Nobody nobody wanted to do it, but um, Brady Snell's had, had said something about Catherine Bigelow, um, and like insulted oh, yes. her. You remember that? Yes, I remember that. He was like, she's, she's like only, only hot. Yeah, it was yeah. Like, yeah, because she's like a woman and she's hot. That's why anyone cares. Yeah. And so, but it was one of the few times that he was pushed into apologizing and he was going to apologize in the Daily Beast and nobody wanted to edit him because he's <laughs> like apparently just like a coked out wacko. Yeah, he's and, a coked out wacko. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, it's a rumor. I don't know if that's true. I don't want to get sued. I mean, we don't live in England. I can say that he's a coked yeah, out wacko. Yeah, you can say um, so, so I get the um, 3,500 words. Oh, uh, 3,500 yeah. words? And they were like, can you cut this down to like a thousand words? And I'm like, oh, this is an unenviable job. Right <laughs> oh. And I did. So I. And, was and, he mad at you? Weirdly, no. And, and they were. And that's when I was in good stead with them for a while because they were like, how did you not piss him off? And I was like, well, no, I tightened it up a little bit, got it down to like a thousand words. And he wrote, <laughs> he did write back though and said, I really wish you'd kept it at the original length. But, of course uh, he but did. That, but it's fine. Okay. And it's like, I think he had just been lucid for like five seconds. And, and it was fine. <laughs> so that was my one experience with him. But I, I remember there's a funny thing about him. You can find it on YouTube of him talking about Less Than Zero on Firing Line with William F. Buckley. And it, it's him and Fernanda Eberstadt. Um, who's a novelist, Fernanda Eberstadt, who's a novelist. She wrote a, a, a book called The Furies. Uh, oh, but, yes. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Who's, you know, she's kind of a, she was like a, like a kind of war holly, you know, Studio 54 era scene. But the interesting thing about her is her brother is Nick Eberstadt from, from AEI. <laughs> so a lot of weird all connections. Comes together. My only question to you is, uh, did you do a couple of uh, rails before you started editing just to kind of get into the mindset? I mean, you make it sound like I did it for the piece. That's true. I did it for the day because <laughs> it was it was a day that I was, you know. Two true facts. One is that I uh, I think I might have only seen cocaine once in my life. No, no, really? No, no, no. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? No, not kidding. Really? I know you've done it in my own bathroom, but like I, uh, I didn't see it. Uh, no, I, I think I've done it with your wife. <laughs> it's not true. Not true. Emmanuel, not true. It's not true. Not true. Uh, and uh, you just made out with her. And also, it's <laughs> totally fine. Uh, that uh, there's uh, a, a an unnamed um, 
uh, cable news uh, host when I first met him. Uh, the first words out of his mouth was exactly what Molly just said, which is, God, I love cocaine. Who yeah, was I it? just yeah. love cocaine. Yeah, me too. All I right, know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, no, nope. yeah. who is it? Nope. I gotta know who it we'll is. We'll talk about so, it afterwards. Yep. But the the same person. Um, uh, <laughs> can I tell you the funny joke that he said to me? Yeah. She said to me. I don't remember what the gender yeah, was. Yeah. They said to me. <laughs> they're, she. Yeah, they're trans. The trans cable host said this to me and said, um, "The reason I don't do cocaine anymore is because it makes me smoke cigarettes, and I can't smoke cigarettes anymore." I, thought, I was like, that's one way of thinking about it. <laughs> like, I get that instinct, but it's like, I can't do it because I'll smoke. It's like, well, it, there's other reasons not to do it, too. But yeah, anyway, Molly, amazing. Molly, you're filing a piece tonight for the Daily Beast. Yeah. Uh, considering this will be out um, in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Tell uh-huh. us what the piece is about. You can have the spoilers and all that stuff. What, oh, are, you yeah. write, what are you writing about today? The social media summit. Oh, at the White House. So yeah. we're recording this on what day is it? Thursday. Nobody Thursday. Knows. Yeah. July, Thursday. What? The big things that happened today, 11th, I think. 11th, yeah. July so 11th, yeah. Donald Trump, who apparently is the president of the United States, sort uh, of. had Ish. like a pile of memers yeah. at the White House. It's like 4chan at the White House. Yeah. 4chan at the White House. Yeah. Basically. So you wrote about this. Yeah. The best character in the whole thing, who I think is going to be like 10 times more famous after this, was this woman, Joyce Vila. Do you know who she is? Is she the one that came with the Trump dress on to the Academy Awards? Yeah, she's the Make America Great. She's a Scientologist. And and she's a QAnon person. And she's a QAnon person. (laughs) Three for By the way, one is the same as the other. Just so you know. And she wore a dress. I don't know if it was the Academy Awards. She doesn't seem like she's high rent enough to get invited to that. I'm probably mm-hmm. someone's going to kill me for that. Mm-hmm. By the way, I have said, I have done so many things that are like weirdly inflammatory that I didn't even know. Like I wrote a piece for the Bulwark about Marianne Williamson, and I got letters b- f- from from I, people w- w- about because you were criticizing her. Yeah, and I was. I always thought I would like get murdered by like some crazy Trump fan, but yeah. I actually think. That the Marianne Williamson people might take me down. You were, you were, yeah. you were stoned to death, but the stones were crystals. Right. The thing, yeah. the thing that, um, uh, and, and you're sleeping That's with right. Bill Crystal, which yeah. is interesting too. That's right. Um, I'm sleeping with Bill Crystal. I'm not sleeping I, with Bill Crystal. Just in case marriage. anyone's wondering, he's like about, wait, I'm 40. He's like 26 years older than I am, which He's like also like four foot ten. But I, I like. Him. I, I do too. I've always I had. I've always. I, I, wow, that's no, interesting. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, maybe I, I will say that the difference. I, I'm angry that this isn't happening to me because somebody reminded me, and I tweeted it the other day that for the Daily Beast in 2013, when she was running for Congress, I wrote a Marianne Williamson column, which was probably one of the meanest things I've ever written, oh, and I really? reposted it because someone sent it to me, and I was like, "Did you know that? Like, what happened to this?" And so I re I, I tweeted it. And um, and nobody came up. No, yeah, you should send it to me. I'll tweet it. Fascinating. It it wasn't bad. It was pretty good. I wasn't doing any cocaine that week. Apparently, (laughs) it was pretty lucid. It's Um, amazing though. She's yet another person in the Democratic primary who like lost and has decided to then run for president. Oh yeah, this is the. It's called bedoing. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) or bedoing. 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 Start eclipsing him in the polls pretty soon. uh, I think she's almost there. No, she's not. She's at uh, like 0.3. She's beating Gillibrand. Which is <laughs> she's what? close to Gillibrand. Gillibrand's uh, 0.4. She's more likable than Gillibrand. Uh, let's she's be literally the least likable person I've ever seen Gillibrand? on a debate stage. Yeah. And I've seen Rick Santorum on a debate stage. <laughs> but Santorum's kind of likable. But 
Jill, eh. I mean, he's an awful human being, but right. like, uh, like uh, interpersonally, you know, you can wrap your head around. I'm not convinced Gillibrand and Bill uh, de Blasio are not the same person. That's probably true. Yeah. They have that same She's sort not of horrendous That affect. much of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote a piece today about his, uh, his turn uh, in front of the... Uh, uh, National Education Association, the teachers union, biggest union in the country. Oh, yeah. Uh, on Friday. UTI. And like, so they had 10 candidates come out and each one of them was like literally. Trying to sell themselves <clears throat> to the union. The head of the union would say, as she said to de Blasio. Is that Randy Weingarten? No, uh, she's just a, an irritating. Uh, 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 I don't know if it's the head of the union. She portrayed herself as the head of something. Right. Um, Randy Weingarten might still be the head of the union, but she's the head of something, this woman. But she said, we're going to give you a multiple choice uh, quiz at the end of this presentation. And the only answer to all three questions is going to be C. <laughs> that's, that's how this is portrayed. <laughs> that's so, yeah. amazing. Hi, we're the biggest union in the country. You have to answer everything correctly. And so de Blasio had to uh, separate himself from the rest of the field in hating charter schools and, and you know, saying that we have to give all the money to uh, all the teachers from the federal government. And uh, and watching his performance, he's the biggest dick. And thank God uh, Molly can bash him. From I what, wrote what, really mean stuff about him for the Bulwark. Uh, phenomenal. I, I, that was the best thing I've ever written. <laughs> it was so mean. There, there's a great uh, Colin Quinn's very, very good um, one-man show, New York Story, which you've seen. Tremendous. I saw it live, and it's on Netflix, too. He has a great... Um, riff on um on de blasio pretending to be a new yorker and how and he compares him to ed koch which and ed koch who i don't even care about ed koch's politics it doesn't even matter what his politics are i just miss him and love him so much you know and and it's like and 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 quinn sets up this difference where he's like he's at like the kew gardens like senior center and he's like lady you should have your head examined yelling at people and then like de blasio is like as we say in new york forget about it like he's just like a fake <laughs> new yorker and it's just so I'd love annoying his, and here's i love his as you know as a father of a of a black uh, son i really you know i feel these these issues much more deeply than do. everybody that, else and that's why he stage. was black explaining to kamala Right? Was it yeah. Cam- No, Cory I like, Booker? I like your pr- pronunciation of Camelot. Yeah. Camel. Yeah. I, by the way, I'm famous for my inability uh, to <laughs> pronounce anything. And and You still you, haven't explained how you got a fucking master's degree after, like, dropping got, out of college or getting kicked out for bad grades, which there's no shame in that. No, oh, Harry, you didn't have a degree Harry that, yeah. says, lol, offer that my fondest fuck you right back. <laughs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is Harry Siegel, oh, uh, the right. beast. Uh, also a uh, two-time guest on this podcast. He's yeah. so great. A I fantastically him. grumpy, dyspeptic um, young man who is in his 70s. Yeah. He's the oldest young man I know. Well, he's old school New York. Like, yeah, he's he like worked at the... At the at the uh, Daily News, like I mean, the Daily News, school. and prior to that, he actually worked at the New York Sun. Yes. Seth Lipsky's yep. uh, uh, attempt at making a sort of neocon daily. That's right, in twenty two. Yeah, nineteen twenty two. always nineteen twenty two in his mind, it, but it's two thousand two. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty great. I want to say this: we, um, if you haven't, I always make this comment, and people, I like making this comment because people then chime in and send me messages and say, "No, I didn't turn it off." If you haven't turned it off yet, <laughs> we. Uh, this is an especially discursive uh, all over. The place yes. episode of Fifth Column, but I do want to bring it back to the ADHD what, episode. Yeah, it is the I did take an Adderall before. Um, <laughs> what is the premise of your piece about the um, uh, social media 4chan summit? So I think I think that this this event was Trump trying to 
get to reward the people who got him in the White House in the first place by spreading disinformation, really. Um, But what was interesting about it was he didn't have any media invited. So he had this Rose Garden presser later on so that the media would see the 4chan-y people. And then they got into a fight. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. Oh, that what happened? Sebastian Gorka, oh, God. who yeah. had like pocket watches. I saw pocket watches, <laughs> chains coming mm-hmm. down. He hates, I wrote a really mean piece about him too. And then yeah. he was like, they troll me in the bulwark. And then he had like a little ship emoji. Um, and he got it. He went after Brian. Uh, yeah. 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 From Playboy, who's a White House correspondent and started yelling at him and went over to him like he was going to beat him up. Really? By the way, he does that. Um, it's it's, it's kind his of his shtick. Yeah. I mean, we had somebody um, uh, from the Caleb HBO Akarma show. Too. He did that to Caleb. Akarma. Oh, he, he did a, a woman from our show and, and yelled at her and said, you guys are fake news. I sent him an email trying to get him to talk to me because we were doing a piece on um, mentally challenged Hungarian blowhards. And we think, oh, he'd be pretty good. Probably be pretty good for that. And uh, maybe anti-Semites that uh, support the arrow cross. And uh, he, so I read, I said, and, he, and it was like, oh, I would never do this fake news, blah, blah, blah. And then I went to, I think it was actually, maybe it was my producer that sent it. And I went back to, I was going to send him a DM and he had blocked me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he, he's a prolific blocker. So there was a great, somebody asked him. Very thin skinned, that guy. This guy. I asked him, why do you block everyone on Twitter? And he said, I block them because they're asshats. Asshats? <laughs> I, think that sounds, hats. I think it sounds better in Magyar. <laughs> <laughs> don't be dissing on the Magyars. No, I don't. I'm a big fan of the Hungarians. He's just the one that is, he's not the one. There's he's a lot the- of, <laughs> you know, uh, Fidesz has gotten, you know, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll do a special episode about uh, how hungry has gone a bit. You mad. know, so uh, uh, Emmanuel Richard, who you referenced before, because you were re- re- talking about uh, doing cocaine with her and uh, <laughs> yes. out with her yeah, in my yeah. house, which is just, I mean, it's a little bit yeah. rude. I mean, I didn't mean to. Um, There's nowhere else to go. It was freezing. Out. That's your wife, right? Yes. yes. Uh, she wrote just her for those of us college, who don't totally know uh, her college uh, thesis paper on Fidesz. Yeah. Uh, but like this is the you know, the political party that runs Hungary to this day. But back when they were an anti-communist uh, group that was based uh, on the principle that they were uh, pro-capitalist, uh, pro-free market, pro-America and uh, environmentalist. Ooh. And the Fidesz means young Democrat. You yeah. had to be under the age of 35. Their theory was that anyone who was older was was compromised mentally yeah, by the wrong. communist regime. Yep. Even though goulash communism wasn't nearly as as rough as East German or Czechoslovakian communism. Um, And so fascinating people full of like rockers and derelicts and people who smoke and stuff. Kind of like like Havel and those guys. They were super – yeah. They were uh, completely congruent with with that crew back then. Uh, And uh, I think she wrote this in uh, 1988 or that's when she first visited Hungary back then. And and we were there. uh, That's where I met her. Uh, uh, in 1995, we were both there uh, covering it. And so we saw that movement split and fractured. There was the cosmopolitan side that became, which bent, of course, Jewish in that context, which became the free Democrats who, um, you know, uh, stayed in power for a half a second and then vanished right. forever. And then the other half uh, with Viktor Orban, who's in the middle of all of this and still is, yeah. but he was young once and he was like one of the, the prime movers. Jesus. He made the conscious decision 
<clears throat> Hungary has all this unresolved nationalist feeling because right. of the Treaty of Trianon, um, you know, lopped off I mean, most of two thirds of the of the country because they had an artificially large country when they were uh, tethered with, to Austria. But, but, by the way, is this the point? Um, because Camille's typically in the captain seat. Is this the point at which I cut the conversation off? Because you're talking about treaties that no one's ever heard of in Hungary. <laughs> yeah. Is that what we do? Yeah, do ab- we do that? Absolutely. Get to uh, the no. point where you like hooked up with the girl in like Budapest <laughs> under a bridge. Because uh, that's what we want to hear. That was in Prague. But um, uh, no, just that when we get to that uh, mythical podcast where we talk about yeah. that, yeah. Uh, we'll invite uh, my wife on. But yeah, now. well, uh, thanks for listening, Emmanuel. She's yeah. a she's a lovely person. Um, so the the and we'll get back one uh, to, to this insane um, social media summit. And you know, it's funny the thing about Trump is that when I when I saw the Charlottesville thing. When I saw that comment and there's people that defend Trump in a weird way and say he just is. And by the way, it's a fairly convincing defense because the defense is that he was just so dumb and just assumed that it was like right wing Trump people and like left wing people in a couple of bad elements. And that's why he said they're good people on both sides. I don't know if that's true, but he's just stupid enough for that to be true. Right. But at the same time is that you notice that he refuses to offend anyone who supports him. That's that's it's a really weird tick that he has is that anyone who's ever nice to him, he feels compelled to be nice back to them. And so when you have these people like, you know, it's it's funny that aside uh, a a tweet from some random person in a in a stream of responses to it, to a tweet about this today, who had one like and a random person who made a very, very funny joke that they were waiting for Laura Loomer to Laura Loomer to handcuff herself to Donald Trump. (laughs) She didn't. She wasn't invited. She wasn't invited. I mean, that's what's so interesting about this. And I mean, interesting. It's not that interesting, but it's a little interesting. He didn't invite any of the people who had been deplatformed because they are of no use to him. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, that's right. That's right. Jacob Wall wasn't invited either. Invite the people who were invited were the people who still have a platform because he doesn't need Laura Loma. But but does he need those people in the sense that the people who, I mean, if Jacob Wall and Laura Loma hadn't been deplatformed and she hadn't disappeared and decided that she was going to be a monk or something, those are the people who, I mean, the people who read that nonsense are not leaving Donald Trump no matter what he does. But the, he needs those people to spread the the conspiracy. I mean, and, and also to be enthusiastic. Right. I mean, you you put it as a, yeah. as a rewarding the people who spread conspiracy theories, and I'm not saying that that's wrong. But I think as as much as anything else, it's like they created this or, yeah. or participated in the creation of a parallel trolling culture mm-hmm. that he absolutely mm-hmm. adores. The Pepe the Frog kind of thing. Yeah, that is great and. <clears throat> There's so much cognitive dissonance throughout. I mean, this was built as a free speech event. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, the, the it, it's doing great damage to people like you and I. I know we've both written about this quite a bit who actually care about real free speech. And now that it's actually been become this kind of synonym for madness of like the the Milo and Trump types. Yeah. And all of those people who, who by the way, deserve free speech rights, too. Who, but, claim to be doing everything in the name of free speech, want the government to crack down on every social media company. They want Section 230 rewritten yeah, or, uh, in the or, Communication or, or, Decency Or complain Act. about Linda Sarsour coming to a campus near you. I right, mean, that's exactly. you, can't, you can't do that with any consistency. It, yeah. But it's interesting. It, it is interesting that he did. He is. He spent like it was like his greatest hits. You know, he did um, losing Twitter followers. That was a big thing for him. And how he was upset that he had lost followers. He did a whole thing about it goes up, it goes down. 
he it was really pretty wacky. And then he did. He he talked about how everybody was kind of it was just weird. And then he brought and then he said mean things about Biden and mean things about Elizabeth Warren. And then he talked about China and how mad he was at China. I mean, it was like he has this tape going and it doesn't seem to matter what the event is. What is what is putting your I mean, you are also at the July 4th parade in D.C. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing, dude? Why why are you putting your face (laughs) in the middle of all of this? I mean, mean, like, do you hate your kids that much (laughs) that you'd prefer to be away with these psychopaths? Hashtag open marriage. (laughs) Uh, No, a bit like I because I I I saw people. Thankfully, Twitter uh, broke down today for a a good solid hour. So really 40 minutes. Glory. 40 glory. Minutes. <laughs> really great. All the uh, the uh, I was the, like handing out. Can- I was it was like you know a Palestinian after a suicide. But I was handing out candy. <laughs> I was like, that's where Anthony Fisher is right now. I think he's yeah. building settlements in, yeah, yeah. in Israel right now. Yeah. The, only, uh, the only ginger named Fisher building settlements. <laughs> yeah. It was it was it was like the quietest forty minutes of my life. Yeah, no, it's lovely. Like isn't everything it? just felt silent. But yeah. like my my coping mechanism to this kind of circus the president of the united states is inviting to the white house a bunch of absolute fucking ignoramuses people all right trolls would at best all right meme trolls yeah. at best ignorant but some of them had uh, plenty, actors, yeah. plenty of just like shitty track records on on their side and so i just Benny like, johnson who's been Benny fired johnson twice for plagiarism, for plagiarism. jesus christ yeah, yeah. so yeah. like i spent my day working on like a feature and doing other stuff just absolutely not watching tv not looking at it not putting my face in it at all because i want to be a sane person and also i i want to not be trolled i, right. I you know do you know what's changed how this has changed so much i mean you you've been writing molly about politics fairly recently i mean this yeah, is kind of a new thing for you in a couple of years the thing that's uh, I find so strange about it is if you look at this kind of rogues gallery of of morons and knuckle draggers yeah. in the White House now, and you look at Trump's tweets like every day, like I mean I, I'll be I'll be honest that there was a couple things that I actually laughed at today because yeah. he can occasionally funny. be funny, you know. Yeah. He's like well, he, uh, like you're gonna have me for another uh, four years or you or know maybe 14. ten or fourteen, yeah. and then he's like just kidding. It's like it's like it's like a child, right? But the thing that's interesting about it is that there are no ideological debates when you talk about these people. No. When you talk, so there's we, no ideology. No, and we, we used to have these things in the past. I mean, even remember the Obama years and like kind of the Tea Party movement and like yeah, that didn't fulfill any of his promises and wasn't actually a sort of limited government movement. It was it was uh, you know God knows what a, a sort of llama in sheep's clothing. It wasn't even a wolf because it wasn't very dangerous in any way. It just kind of fizzled out. But it was it was based on this fake idea of limited government. People would you know not, head, a, fake, not a fake idea. What, no, no, it's a fake idea for them. Yeah. The way they would, right. they would head fake exactly. towards Hayek and like, you know, Glenn Beck was talking about this stuff and you can go all the way back, you know, to the debates of, you know, FDR and of like people of, you know, your grandfather. We actually have these existential de- de- debates about socialism versus capitalism versus neoliberalism versus liberalism. There's none of that anymore. We're just, we're just like tweeting and talking about dumb things that people say, not dumb ideas that people have, which right. are very, very different ideas. Very, very different things. I mean, I think America's having a nervous breakdown, and that's what we're seeing is this crazy kind of nervous breakdown. America being two Americas and one being a sort of – I don't know. It was interesting to see on July 4th. I don't get angry. Like some people get angry. I get sort of a little bit depressed because I feel like – I feel like there are so many victimized groups by Trumpism but one of the groups that's being victimized are the base. Mm-hmm. 
And I get, I think I, people give me a lot of static for that. No, I think it's absolutely true. But you see these people who are desperate people and they were given something. I mean, what it was, was deplorable, was racism. You, you don't get on that train unless you have some really questionable values, but they got on that train because they had nothing else. And now they are slowly figuring out that this guy is the total charlatan. Are they? Uh, some of them are. Some of them aren't. But eventually, when they are in the same position they are 10 years later or 15 years later, they're going to figure it out. I, or or, or yeah. hold on. Maybe yeah. maybe they, they, they won't. Maybe the, 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 the payoff here is that our team won. Like, we, you know, it's scoreboard. It's, it's people who— uh, venerate me and and value my opinion. I don't think all of them are scoreboard. You you can't have. I think maybe you know there's a there's a kind of rock ribbed scoreboard types, but I think there's so many people in those districts that went for Obama in you know in two elections and then swung to Trump. Those people are actually have some hope. I mean, right. I, I think that that the one of the things that really made me realize that that these people were probably swing back in the other direction or some of them will anyway is when i was in indianapolis and i went to, i was hanging out with people from rex nord which is a company that makes ball bearings and they were they were their manufacturing was going to monterey mexico it was right after the carrier thing remember trump's big thing we're not going anywhere we're going right. to keep carrier here and of course they spend 85 billion dollars per job to keep these jobs in america because you can actually do that with carrier because they have government contracts they do a lot of stuff for for, for Boeing and all these other things, military contracts. <laughs> so you have some leverage over them. Rex Nord, you don't, right? So all of these people that were actually union guys, and I was in the Steelworkers Union Hall, and they were all Bernie people, and I've talked to this a million times, and they, um, ultimately, if it was between um, Hillary Clinton, who they thought of as a horrible free right. trader, they didn't like her. and Trump, they're going to throw their lot in with Trump. They were white, they were black, they were Hispanic, they were all, you know, the rainbow, right. men and women, and he tweeted right afterwards, this is not going to, this should not be allowed, this Rexnord thing. And then that was the last mention of it. And they're like, wait, wait a second, but he's going to keep our jobs here. And in interviews with these people, I hated to be the one to break it to them and say, he has no authority right. to prevent a company from going overseas right. and getting labor for, for, for half the price. And, and I don't know why you're convinced that he does. You're in a union. You should know these things about labor. But he promised people a lot of things, right? And I think the people who really, really were promised these things are people that were maybe Bernie voters or maybe swing voters or maybe I don't know voters and not the ones that, that were, you know, have been, that are responding been, to memes. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't think they're, the mean people. And I, I wonder how that, because you can only lie to them for so long. And, it, it, you know, look, when Camille, I wish you were here, Camille. I'm sorry. I'm not going to, you know, argue with you when you're not here. But when Camille says, well, you know, de- doesn't defend Trump. You're not going to call Camille black, are you? Uh, he's, he's not black, is he? Yeah. Oh, dear God. Is he really? I don't think oh, jeez, so. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, I thought he was Norwegian. <laughs> is, it, is it Camilla? Um, but the thing about it, like, when we end up talking and saying things that are slightly with our throat clearing stuff about we're not defending Donald Trump or I don't like the guy, which is what I always do, we're always defending him against like ridiculous, overheated, breathless media attacks. We're never really defending right. his policies, right? Like people go too far with Trump. It's like, you know, come on, it's not fascism. Relax, relax. But that has nothing to do with what, what Donald Trump wants to do. Like the trade war is a disaster. And I think one of the worst things and will be go down as one of the worst things that he's done in his first four years and a lot of bad things. We look yeah. at the border and, you know, libertarians tend to, you know, 
drift towards slightly more generous uh, immigration policies. And this is a disaster, right? It's not, not only a disaster with the kids and the way they're housed in this horrible warehousing. It's just the policy has gotten a thousand times worse. We've had more people coming, coming through and we've, it's, it, the crisis has been on his watch, right? When people yeah. said it's not a crisis. Well, it is now and it's on his watch and you have to take responsibility for that. There are like, we are at a point now that we are no longer talking about Donald Trump's policies as such as they are. I don't think they are policies. policies. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, he's the seat of his pants. And like the Tim Alberta book, which is coming out next week. We should have him on. Uh, we should have him on. And, and apparently it's fantastic. And the stuff I've read is, and everyone around him is like, you know, the Paul Ryan bit, which is interesting. And it's actually to humiliate Paul Ryan. And the, there's an excerpt from it or a bit from it reported by the Washington Post that he became a sycophant after saying no way because he didn't think he'd get through the primary. This guy's horrible. We, we, Republicans should be that way. I'm the wonky guy, right? Right. And then he becomes slightly sycophantic. And now he talks to Tim Alberta and he's like, I've never met somebody, not even in, in governance, who knew less about how the government worked than Donald then, Trump. Wait, Paul Ryan said yeah. that? Yeah, he, that and he was just out today. Right. And again, yeah. we're taping this on a Thursday. Um, he was uh, <clears throat> saying uh, things like, you know, we just have to like reset as a country uh, when you have someone out there who's saying calling women horse faced and yeah, who's that's, behaving that's, in su- such yeah. a way. This is just yeah. reprehensible. And, but didn't yeah. he wasn't he the Speaker of the House and couldn't yeah, he I have done so. something I'm not sure. when <laughs> he was Speaker Fisher's of the House for here, two so. years? I mean, I, I, I would say what, I, I when Donald Trump uh, got the nomination, um, I was in Washington, D.C., and I was tasked with interviewing Paul Ryan. And it was for somebody else's documentary wow. that was within the universe of what we were doing. We never used it, and I was off camera. And Paul Ryan, I had interviewed him before, and for whatever reason, he knew who I was, and we had a nice exchange, and his people had a nice exchange. And they told me, because of uh, Donald Trump getting the nomination, those questions were off limits because every every media person was trying to get him to comment on it. And we had happened to set that interview up Two months in, in You advance. snuck one at the end. Though. I did. He, walked, what I he got very angry and walked out on oh, me. Oh, he did? But I, I, <laughs> I, I, I said to him, and, I, and, and he said, I don't want, the, the way it was, it was set up, and I kind of <laughs> slid in, it was um, no questions about Donald Trump becoming the nominee or something. Um, I can't remember what it was, but I, I did it in that kind of, you know, bit of a backdoor way where I said, you know, will you, no matter who it is, oh, he hadn't gotten the nomination yet. And he said, don't ask about Donald Trump. And I said, will you, no matter who it is, support um, the Republican nominee for president? And he started like hemming and hawing and giving me this sort of ridiculous mm-hmm. politician answer. I said, anybody? And he looked at me. And I said, anybody, because I can think of some people reading the pack. And he took his mic off and he's like, this is not what we agreed to. And he walked away. So at that point, he was already panicking about how to deal with the fact that this was the nominee. And somebody who said, oh, I give Iron Rand to my to my staffers and I'm an economist and I'm a wonky guy. Somebody who not only knew nothing about policy, but the instincts they had about policy were the exact opposite of his. Right, I was going to say. Which is like anti-free trade and like hate punishing businesses for, you know, finding cheaper. And who products. gives a, And who gives a crap? crap about like long-term entitlements and that kind of stuff. I mean, there was a, I don't know if it was the same Tim Alberta source, but a week or two ago, there was uh, some Paul Ryan quotes like, Hey, we know we showed him a lot of PowerPoints. We really like, we brought the PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah. It's, we, we prevented the, his worst instincts. Is that's, that's their defense. I mean, that's going to be the name of how many memoirs to come <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah. I mean, Mick Mulvaney, it could yeah. have been so much fucking worse. Um, yeah. 
But I, I don't understand why he didn't do anything when he was the Speaker of the House. Well, the question is what? And and, and I think it's an interesting question. Um, it's something that the um, – I mean, Justin Amash is showing what right. what a what he could have done. Look. What jo- Justin Amash did right. Um, I, th- I think it's there's this whole uh, school. Of- I think it's appropriate now because Molly's here to say that somebody has to say I am Spartacus, <laughs> right? And then they all have to say I am one of my dogs is called Spartacus. Really? Yeah, yeah because course. we're very serious people. <laughs> <laughs> have I mentioned my wife, Emmanuel Richard? She uh, has started a group called Radio Spartacus twenty years ago. Oh. Uh, uh, to uh, fight for yeah, you kind we'll, of we'll do it. We'll, we'll do it in the Emmanuel episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you keep trying to shunt this aside. It's really weird. No, I'm sorry, I'm I'm no, but like I think we forget, <clears throat> and we sh- and we're relearning in a really grotesque way right now with the behavior of Republican politicians. Lindsey Graham, probably as much as Jesus. any other human being, he's not really human. Um, but of that, politicians respond to incentives. Right. Ultimately, right? It's the public choice theory. It's public choice. Actually, it's more about bureaucrats also re- re- respond he, to incentives. And it's amazing how much people are going to be willing to shift their spots or argue. I mean, Mike Pence was like a hysterical free trader for 20 yeah. years. That was like core to his belief. Those shining eyes would shine. Who is advising him on this? Larry fucking Kudlow, what? who wrote a column about free trade every day of his life for the past 45 years when but, he wasn't getting arrested for cocaine. Right, I was going to say. He gets a lot in common with Molly, actually. Lord, he actually does. Yeah. I like him, but he's wrong about everything Shocker. all the time. I mean, I mean that, he's... Especially about the striped shirts, I don't. Know. I like he never. Yeah. He's, he's, nope. try, he's trying to look like like a Brett Easton Ellis character from the '80s. But the thing is, is he these guys, so Stephen Moore. I I um I interviewed Art Laffer, which I was really it was a fun interview. Where oh, Art the Laffer, Laffer yeah, Art Laffer like backed off all this stuff, and I was challenging him on it. And he backed off all of it. Stephen Moore, of course, backed off all of it. Um, Larry Kudlow. These people are mercenary idiots, and the rest of I would tell this to. Conservatives and Republicans. I'm not a member of these people. I know a lot of them, but I will tell you the guys this. How betrayed do you feel? And if you don't feel betrayed at all, you've got some problems yourself. Is that, you know, these are people, and you've been to all these dinners in DC, and it's whether it's the AEI or Heritage or CEI, and there's some sort of blubbering, drippy white guy up there talking. <laughs> white doesn't matter, but there usually are. They're just they're like, all, and they guy. have to be white. And, and, I mean. and, and saying that, you know, you know, limited government, blah, 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 giving lip service to it. And this thing in the Hill uh, from yesterday federal deficit jumps to $747 billion, likely to exceed $1 trillion by September. Yeah. Where are you people? Start Stop having fucking dinners in D.C. Honestly, you want to see, you want to hear populism? How about you do some sort of free market populism in the back and say, get out of the fucking dinners, get out of the goddamn, you know, Heritage Foundation, which is flipped to be this kind of status populist organization now. They've, <laughs> they've turned on a dime Their because they smell amazing. where the money is and yeah. where the power is. Where, why are you sitting around these people whose people who are in D.C. for 20 years pretending you cared about this stuff and all of a sudden you say fuck all. So if you can hate Bill Crystal and say, oh, Iraq and everything, okay, fine. Yeah, Bill, Bill I, there's a lot of things to disagree with Bill Crystal on. But I will say a couple of these people who are now maligned as never Trumpers, etc., you know, at least they're actually standing up to something. I don't know if it's what I agree with. I don't know. But the, I see so many people who I've heard say things that actually conform to, to sort of broadly, you know, neoliberal, which is a pejorative term mm-hmm. for it, you know, classical, liberal, libertarian, free market views that just don't care anymore. 
what the fuck happened to you? Mick Mulvaney is the is the object example here. Um, who has a lot of? I mean, he, he has about half the cabinet positions yeah. at this point. Yeah, I was going to say. you you mentioned Washington dinners. He was the keynote at CEI, Competitive Enterprise Institute, last yeah. year, and gave a, a roaring talk about deregulation. Okay, great. By the way, at um, least Peter Navarro is consistent. Um, Mick Mulvaney, a fucking asshole. Yeah, I was going to say. And yeah, he, he sure is. Uh, April uh, 2015 wrote a piece for the Wall Street Journal op-ed page upbraiding his fellow Republicans, saying if we vote for a budget that increases defense spending, mm-hmm. military spending, um, then the next generation of people, when we come back to them and say, in case there's a Democrat in charge, uh, and we say, you know, we should really like limit um, uh, deficit spending, they're not going to believe us. It's immoral to increase the deficit. That was the bottom line, is the headline on it. April 2015, Mick Mulvaney... By 2017, when it comes time to talk about the tax cut, said from the podium, we need new deficits. So it took him about 30 months to go from it's immoral. Don't do it. And you're going to blow all your credibility to like, no, this is what we got to have, because right now there's not really the political will um, now that Republicans run everything to uh, do anything about this. So whatever. And he was right the first time, especially in terms of credibility. And this also goes to the social media summit, right? Like you're not old enough. Moynihan is. (laughs) I ever. Oh, by the way, delete that. Camille, I can't say. It's still fine. It's still fine. I'll get fired. I'm 50 yeah, years old. I don't old. think you can do that. No, That's do old. That. I'm from Massachusetts. We say that like like every second word. Okay. Uh, is this Koch Brothers money? Is Koch Brothers money funding this? Just what? by no. the way, podcast. reason no, podcast. Camille's money. Yeah. Yeah, this is not a reason <laughs> podcast. This is Camille's money. Okay. Um, uh, the. Uh, <laughs> You just fucking derailed. I'm me. sorry. Apologize. You know, I Coke love to make fun of really, Nick Gillespie for taking really that Coke Brothers money. Good, uh, delicious Coke Brothers uh, money. Sorry. No. So social media thing. If I'm old enough to remember uh, being an old person when it was a it was a real problem that the Democratic uh, president in the White House was degrading the norms of this yes, country. Yes, I remember that. Through his conduct, which was unseemly like uh, and, gro- and gross. And he lied a lot, too. In We're addition, talking about Bill? Yeah. 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 Um, Right. So here's the thing. Like if I hear I got I figure I got 25 to 30 years left before, you know, unless I stroke out. But like uh, more or less, that's about how much uh, stroke out, by the way, means having a stroke, not anything else. Right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. No, at my age. Come on. Uh, And (laughs) disappearing into a fog and farrago of masturbation. That (laughs) that actually sounds pretty like plus, to be honest with you. It sounds like most of your life. Continue. Uh, Anyways. uh, No. Like if I hear another Republican ever, 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 ever say anything about dignity in the White House for the next Three fucking decades. Yeah. I'm just going to my, my. I can't make my middle fingers go high enough. Them up. I just, just, fingers up. Yeah. It's a radio play. I but feel you, like you've are become you a Democrat. I'm absolutely not a Democrat. Yeah. Jesus yeah, Christ! Sorry. But you're also absolutely not a Republican. And, yeah. and I think one of the things that that if I were to give advice to Democrats, if they were to get onto the debate stage, whoever that might be, with Mary Donald, Ann. with Donald, Trump, absolutely. Yeah, she's going. She could, you know, if she ends up being president, we're so. I could see it happening. I, 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 I would literally um, that I would be the one person actually moves to Cuba, which I think is preferable <laughs> at this point to Marianne Williamson. Hang out John McAfee. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. I, is he, why is he in Cuba now? He's a murderer. Um, well, there's that. <laughs> not, can he still win the nomination? There's a lot of American yes, murderers he there. He, can he still win the nomination? 
for the Libertarian Party. He could. I, I would yeah. bet against it. But you would, yeah. even though because but he's not there. But you because, know what? No one will take that bet because no one gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> but That's, just yeah. just to get back to John McAfee, because yeah. I'm kind of obsessed with him. Yeah. He murdered someone, but he is not Allegedly. on the run for that. He's on the run for tax stuff. Possibly. Right. He also hasn't filed uh, taxes for <laughs> yeah, at yeah. least seven he's, years. He's, he's, a, he's a special one. <laughs> but I would, my, my advice, if it's John McAfee up there, um, to go up um, to the stage. I mean, I, I, I say this often with journalists, too. When journalists get the opportunity, very rarely do that. It's mostly, you know, um, Fox people. And he won't even do the uh, Chris Wallace kind of like actual no, real interviews anymore. But if you get that opportunity, I've seen the Times interview him. Like they don't hit him on the things that y- that you could w- watch him turn into a blubbering mess. And if you're a good interviewer, you could beat the right. fuck out of him very easily. Right. And in these debates, you see people trying to stay within the bounds of decency. And this is what you do as a presidential candidate. Hillary Clinton did it, and she was Lost. eaten alive yeah. when he was like, "You'd be in jail." It's a great line. It was a great the timing. Was great when he's like wrong. Timing was great. I mean, it's like he's doing like vaudeville in some way. Yeah. But what you can I mean, I think what these people should do is take all of the actual slogans because it's a fucking slogan presidency, right? And be and and like you know when you when and you're debunk time, them, yeah, no, not even debunk them. Just ask him questions because he's too dumb to answer them, and just say you know where where's the wall? We're gonna build this wall. Four four years to take a long time to build a wall, doesn't it? President Trump. Yeah. Same thing, like, you know, draining the swamp. I mean, good God. And you should have a few things at your fingertips about how much money is being spent now and how much power and is being accrued in the presidency yeah. and the lobbyists and all of these things. I mean, everyone's going to go through their, I mean, Kamala Harris can do that little fucking ridiculous thing that she did with Joe Biden. Totally and I say works. ridiculous. It worked so it well. It worked though. perfectly. But if the ridiculous part of it is, if, I mean, it's a great political strategy right. as a strategy of like honesty. The next day she was like, she said the exact same thing. Yeah, as why she has did the she same say position. that? Same, she has the same position. Why it's did just, she say that? She went up 10 fucking percentage No, no. Points. I know why she attacked That's him. Why. That was brilliant. Democrats should be doing that all the time to each other, to, the, to Trump. Like the whole problem with Democrats, I always think is because they're nice, they lose. They're, they're, they're nice. like, Bill well, de Blasio they, is nice. No, Bill de Blasio is horrendous, but they think they're nice. They're like, we're the good guys, so we should win. And they think they're the good guys, so they should win. And no, it doesn't work that way. The world doesn't work I don't know, man. Like, the, even in uh, 2016, uh, first of all, Hillary Clinton is like the deplorables. Uh, type yeah, that of was bad. When she was asked who her, you know, uh, who uh, her biggest enemy is or the enemy that she's happiest to have, she's like Republicans. Like uh, those are uh, uh, even. Re- she said some some really right, dumb but stuff. Bernie Sanders cannot give any speech without trashing a huge part of the right. country, right? Yeah, like it's not good. It's not actually a, it's not a nice fest. The no. nicest person in that group is like uh, Beto O'Rourke on some level uh. and he's awful. I he's mean, just awful. dumb. Uh, I, I don't think, think that makes him nice. He's boring. The, the, the he's thing so I, I, he he's so dumb. He's he strikes me as not the the most Sharpest clever knife in the drawer. Chap out there. But the thing I I actually admired about Bernie when I watched the debate, I watched the debate in um, Las Vegas with a chapter of the DSA. 
And how's that? How's the Vegas chapter of the DSA doing? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, what what does that look like? I, I, I was I would say a couple of things about them. Um, they were incredibly generous to, to tell, let us in. Tell the kids about so, what the so, DSA is. Yeah, the, the Democratic Socialists of America, which is where AOC comes out of. Comes yeah, they're like uh, you know social democrats. The interesting thing about they're it, socialists. They're actually not social democrats. Is that I was I was sort of tongue lashed by a lot of people who basically there was a copy of the Communist Manifesto on the on the, on the coffee table while we were watching the debate nothing wrong with that yeah I, there is okay. but you know it's we'll talk about that yeah. later uh but you know it is it was amazing because the twitter feed of the nevada dsa was like oh you dumb anti-dsa people all you do is talk about venezuela and like you say like you know this is the comparisons you make you can't actually grapple with the issues but if you bring up venezuela they'll all defend it <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and these are people that are uh, there was a vigorous chorus of head nods and yelps and yes and amen choir when somebody said during the debate, looked at me and said, you know, we are, we like Bernie, but we're settling on Bernie because he's too right wing. Yeah. And they, yeah, no, seriously, there was, I mean, we have this on tape, a number of people said he's too right wing. He's too, he, he wants to work within the system and we want to destroy it. And so when you talk about like DSA radicals, the second you talk about them as radical in this sort of, you know, media milieu, they're like, oh God, you know, that's, we're talking about Sweden and Norway. And you talk to them individually and they're all really nice people. I really enjoyed the time there. We had a great debate about a cer- certain things. Um, a few of them are incredibly clever, incredibly wrong, but they were far more extreme than I actually thought. And they saw this as a moment. And I asked a question, which for reasons that I don't, quite comprehend because I was traveling at the time that (laughs) this didn't get into the piece. Very upset about this. And I said, are you guys all making the argument that Fox News is effectively right that the, the, the Democratic Party is lurching towards socialism? And they said, of course. Yeah, the Fox News is absolutely right about this. The problem is they're not going far enough, but they're, they're, they're on the right path. The glide path towards towards maybe Denmark, but we want them, you know, maybe more South Yemen in 1974 or something. No, they didn't actually say that. But (laughs) I was going to say South Yemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But so so or Grenada under Maurice Bishop. It was a it was a it was a really odd experience of like these people saw that the moment of the Democratic Party was was it was their moment. And I can use this as a transition and to ask you guys about this, because now we see, and I talked about this, I think, last week, the previous week I was at the Democratic um, Convention, uh, California's Democratic Convention, and I talked to Christine Pelosi, who we got in a fight. It was like a pretty ugly Oh, wow. Because I said, you know, I was talking about AOC, and she's like, these people, it's bullshit. There's only four of, and her mother says the same thing a number right, of times. There's only four of them. Yeah. So, 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 uh, Nancy Pelosi says this: that there's only four of these people, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, et cetera, and they're worthless, and they're not, they're not anything. They've to got be, four votes. They've got four votes. The response to that from AOC was pretty. I think that maybe she didn't jump the shark, but she definitely angered Democrats more than I've seen her anger anyone, any any other sort of people sort of nominally on her side in the past 24 hours, because I'll open it up to you guys. I'll just say what she said was that she accused Nancy Pelosi of attacking women of color, women of color, which by the way, women putting that in there suggests that Nancy Pelosi herself is sexist, right? Right. Not men of women of color. She's attacking. And 
it strikes me as that she's attacking this new insurgent Twitter woke progressive movement that's that's gone to war with her. But I, I there was a lot of people that 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 there was a big backlash amongst Democrats of like, why are you racializing this? Why are you playing the race card? A- including a number of of um, people, well, some people that I from the CBS of the Congressional Black Caucus. So you guys saw this, yeah, right. What do you what do you what do you make of this? I it strikes me that like you get you never get called out on using that because people are too afraid to say don't t- race is irrelevant here. You don't hear that much because people are too scared to actually say it. And I think she just used it reflexively because I, I don't think Nancy Pelosi is attacking them because of their race. I look at what happened at the Democratic debate. Right, what moved the needle? There were two on there's two nights of debates. Right, and. Uh, there were exactly two candidates who decided to take a stand against democratic socialism. Yeah. One was John, John Blaney John and the other yeah. was John Hickenlooper, both yeah. guys polling at 0.4 percent. Um, Did they bump from that? Nope. Not even a little bit. Um, who bumped no. and for what? It was Kamala Harris, 10 percentage points, like the biggest single right. thing to happen in this. But she's not a socialist, Kamala Harris. No. Not no, even but, a little. But why did she bump? She's a cop. She bumped on busing and racism. Right. Right. Uh, busing. Moynihan's from Salvi. Like he, Moynihan had the flag in his hand, like like jabbing at. at what are you yeah. talking about? I got to go to a different school with these fucking people. What are you fucking doing? Um, yeah, that's that's, yeah, uh, that's so like that is busing. But I think I mean, I just not to be the the boring here, but I do think there's always infighting in every political party. And she's not. I mean, I don't. But are the political divisions usually this distance. Yeah. I mean, I mean. I mean, if you think about I, I mean, think about Trumpism versus any other. Element. Oh, no, I think you're right in the sense yeah. that it's happening both on the right and the left yeah. now is that 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 chasm that separates Trumpism and like and you Paul know, Ryan. Yeah well, yeah. well, he's even an accommodationist in some ways, like right. people that are, you know, like sort of reason in the Cato Institute right. or even AI in a foreign policy way. Right. That clip is so big now. And on the Democratic side, we're seeing those fissures open up right. in a really, really impressive way. I think way. it's analogous to the original Freedom Caucus. And, yeah, and that's even, what it, I think, too. Even pre-Freedom Caucus because they formed yeah. in 2015, but uh, Justin Amash and Thomas Massey and those guys right. started going after John Boehner in 2013. That was when they first tried to depose him as speaker, right. uh, saying that he wasn't uh, accepting amendments and he was closing the system and he was a big squish. But, but, but accepting amendments and being a squish is one thing. That's, yeah, but that's, they that's, that's saying they're... you're ideologically you know, on shaky ground. You're not doing what the party should be doing. I'm going to read you a tweet from uh, Sakit uh, Chakrabarti, who is the racist. chief of staff of AOC. Um, on um, June 27th, he wrote, instead of, quote, fiscally conservative but socially liberal, let's call the new Democrats in Blue Dog Caucus the, quote, new Southern Democrats. Whoa. They certainly seem hell-bent to do black and brown people today what the old Southern Democrats did in the 1940s. Wow. That, I mean, the, the Southern Democrats in the 1940s were explicitly racist, explicitly segregationist. Right. And you have didn't AOC's chief of staff. He deleted but it. Didn't he delete it? He yeah, but that, he deleted something that he believes. And that's the, the thing that's kind of different between like, we should be Republicans in X and Y way. He's saying that, oh, my colleagues 
you know, who have been in, in the house for a while are racists and they're actually segregationists and they don't care about black and brown people. That's actually crazy to me. Again, I mean, again, Biden lost five, six percentage points of his lead and Kamala Harris went up 10 when right. she attacked for, him on busing. But for right. busing but, and but, also for, for like a consorting also, with segregation. But I also think some of possibly, it, but is but, it also because he was, he, he handled it very poorly. Yes, he handled yes, it yes, very poorly. much. So, yes. But I also think Kamala, like people, sort of forgot she was black until she got up there and really talked about being black. And then people were like, like, I felt like it was a little bit like Obama. Nobody supported Obama until they decided they could see him winning. Yeah. And I felt like there was sort of a moment with her where she was very strong and sort of angry, but in a way that didn't read as angry as sort of read as like she seemed really I, it was the first time because I had heard her a bunch of times and thought, eh, she, yeah. and then I heard her and I thought, well, she's pretty tough. She, yeah, she's, she, to she, she's, she's a good yeah. sort of retail, retail politician. And, I thought, I mean, regardless of right. what she says, I was impressed by her presence and I wasn't surprised she went up 10 points. And, 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 and like Biden was, was, was just awful just and old. He but seemed old. But right? you have yeah. to remember. The Democratic base, more than anything, wants to win. They want to beat Donald Trump. Now, there are fissures in the party, but if you po- if you poll people, the number one polling thing is that people want to beat Donald Trump. They don't really even care who In a it way is. that we haven't seen in, like, in, generations. Right, like, and they really don't care. I mean, there are definitely people on Twitter who care about having this or that. But largely, I mean, if you talk to, I mean, if you talk to that older generation that's not on Twitter, that's not on, those people just want to send Trump home and they don't really care. And they like Bernie, uh, Bernie Biden, because they think Biden is the best choice to beat Donald Trump. And what we saw at that debate was that maybe Kamala Harris is the best choice to beat Donald Trump. And I really think ultimately that was what they were. She's, she's nimble. She's a good debater. I mean, she has access access to coalitions. Uh, Nate Silver brought up a a point today. Again, you're going to listen to this 15 months from now, but (laughs) on on July 11th, (laughs) we were like occupied by the Soviets. (laughs) (laughs) The new Soviets. Uh, Santa Anistas have taken over Texas. (laughs) Kind of brought up that she, she can create coalitions that other candidates, Cory Booker could, if he had, had a bigger coalition, which right now he does and if not. if he wasn't from New well, Jersey. Well, 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 look, I mean, Kamala is a cop, which was actually, by the way, um, chanted by people when I was at the uh, California Democratic Convention. I bet. Liz and, Nolan Brown, shout and, out. And, and by the way, people at uh, the, um, d- when I was watching the debate with the the um, socialists, CSA. they were saying the same thing. And it's like, well, you know, what happens obviously in primaries is you move to the other pole, you move right, right you move left. Kamala Harris is in a good position to be a cop because most people like the fact that she's a cop. Yeah. Most people like cops. Yeah. yeah. You know what? And it's like, it's you know, good. Democrats, Republicans. It's the, the funny thing is that um, like Yasha Monk, who I wasn't here, but he was on this podcast, um, wrote a piece for The Atlantic about what was this big study. It was this big, big survey about how many people actually like woke politics. And it was. Eight percent, six percent. Yeah. And the funny thing about this survey, which I thought was totally fascinating, was it's not generational. Because I thought it was like, oh, the young people like it, the old people don't. No, it's like, no, no everybody fucking hates it. Yeah. Mostly everybody hates it. And but in this sort of media environment, you kind of pander to it. And the second, right. the second, like you get a nominee and it's Kamala Harris and she pulls the cop shit. That's actually that that's, that could be very that's helpful. very very helpful. Yeah. The uh, the but, uh, the bellwether I think for uh, the kind of pragmatic take on in the Democratic coalition right now is the black vote. Yeah. Um, in large parts, kind of like evangelicals, weirdly, in the Republican coalition. Right. Like it's not necessarily about. I mean, if 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 you were voting purely on like racial grounds, would Joe Biden be your number one guy? Probably no. not. 
I don't know. If I was black, probably not. I don't know. Uh, but uh, you also want to win. Right. You want your team to win right. and the other guys to lose. Um, and also, and, you know. And especially net, with Trumpism, I really think all Democrats care about is winning. Yes. Yeah. And and so I think uh, members, and then if, you know, uh, black vote has been 90% Democrat since uh, Al Gore, basically. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, you will see this after the uh, debate. Kamala Harris's uh, percentage of the black vote just skyrocketed. Yeah. I mean, in general, her, her polling went up, but especially there, because I think people saw her. Oh, she's like on the balls of her feet, not the heels of her yeah. feet. Um, she's taking a fight. And if you're going to go after Donald Trump, you're going to have to fight him. It's not going to be like some I also, backpedaler. I also think you saw the polling about socialism and how unpopular the word socialism is. And that's why Trump is using it now. Did you guys see this? this no. was, there was a recent poll that said that, you know, something they, they they sort of ran Trump against all the candidates and then they ran him against someone who was socialist. And it was like the only one where he won. Yeah. So that word, as much as we might like it in the media or we, have more generous, I'm, I mean, yeah. more, more generous, more. <laughs> I tend to be more generous. Yeah. I don't think the American voter likes it very much. At they, all. They, they, they don't. And I mean, it's always the thing of, you know, remember the polling about Obamacare, right? I mean, if you if you framed it a particular way, people loved it. If you framed it another way, people hated it. Yeah. And Americans are very easily swayed. I mean, if you say socialism, they'll be, you know, dead set against it and they'll dig in their heels and it's a sort of right. un-American concept. We don't do that here and never have, right. I mean, which is essentially true, by the way. We never really have. Right. But if you say, we're going to give you a bunch of free shit, they're like, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. How are you going to pay for it? I don't give a fuck how you right. pay for it. Just get me the free stuff that I that, but, that I like. But, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to see all of this now of like, I wonder, and I don't like how much of this culture war, war plays out with the average person. I remember talking to somebody as one person, it doesn't mean anything, but it was one person where I said it was right after the Billy Bush thing. Right. And I said, yeah, but you know, and he's like, dude, I, what the fuck is the big deal? You guys care about this stuff. I do not. Like I talk about, we say grab him by the pussy and shit like that at work all the time. Like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's, you just don't, really? don't care. About, yeah, I have a hundred percent. hundred women too. Like women also just didn't care about that. You say women, right. white women in particular going for Trump. I mean, black women are going to go for the Democrat, as Matt said, 90% for, since Al, Al Gore. So I don't, it's, it's so funny that we, we know how little it affects most people in this country, but we still, still try to kind of swaddle ourselves in the bubble and have these conversations about these very, very small culture war issues that people I, don't ultimately care I about. I think white women, I, I think white women will, will turn on Donald Trump. I think that's probably true. I mean, the rape allegations and the Epstein stuff, even though the Epstein and, and, it, and I think Kavanaugh, you know, they the sort of GOP talking point is that they won Kavanaugh, mm -hmm. but I got to tell you, that was very distasteful to have him go after that woman who was a doctor. I don't. The one place I disagree with you on this is that I don't think that by election time, anyone's going to remember Kavanaugh. Yeah. And also Kavanaugh has not has not ruled as a reactionary and had he right. and like you know I mean Ruth Bader Ginsburg praised him a couple of weeks ago for hiring an all-female staff that he was going to sexually assault yeah that's a joke say, that's a joke people yeah. it's yeah. a joke he didn't do that it's a joke I we think he's I think he's fine unless he drinks <laughs> yeah yeah well you know I, I mean, like he yeah. really Super likes yeah. beer that's almost as, as much as you like cocaine as yeah. someone who's sober watching a guy 
spend like, you know, 15 minutes soliloquizing about beer. Yeah. It it was hard for me not to think, you know, there might be an addiction issue. I actually, there was another one of the times when I shot something with a person while we were watching a debate, or that was the the hearings. I was with a woman who started crying uh, in D.C. uh, She was crying, no, crying on behalf of Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, you've got to be fucking It's it's online. You can look it up. I mean, this woman was just like. You know, um, was like they're being so horrible and unfair to him. What? And you know, we all have been in situations like when we were kids and the rest of it. And I don't believe it anyway. And blah blah blah. But you know, we assume because we are who we are that women in because you know most of the women that I know where I live and horrified are horrified by it and are upset by it and are holding placards and they go and protest it. But it didn't in the same way the bully Bush stuff. That didn't really hit with a lot of people I talked to who are not living in our little bubble. No, I, I think I think the uh, the we saw. I forget when uh, Kavanaugh was exactly, but um, the uh, midterms in, in 2018, suburban women left Trump, and right. left the Republican and, Party. Uh, yeah, I don't. I I'm not convinced that Kavanaugh has anything to do with that. And I agree with Michael. Like by 2020, like I don't know. But the thing about Kavanaugh that they were so mean to her. And there was such, but the other thing I was going to say about Kavanaugh was they were like, he didn't do it, but even if he did it, you know, that defense, he didn't do it, but even if he did it, what's the big deal, you know, is so insane. And Trump does that too, you know, with the rape stuff, he said, I didn't do it, but she's not my type anyway. Well, it I is, think that's it much is, worse than, than it's much worse. Than, and response. also it's an amazing thing that we're at a, we're at a place in American history and American political history. That multiple times he has said, I, this woman's too, uh, not hot too, enough to rape. She's too ugly to rape. Yeah. I mean, that's what he's saying. Right. Right. So I didn't do it. But if I were to rape somebody, I wouldn't rape that woman. I mean, that is so horrifying. It's, I mean, that is actually like, I mean, we fuck around and joke promise. about stuff, but that's like really terrifying. Well, in fact, E. Jean Carroll was his type. In right. The exactly. His type. Right. But it's also more, it's like a kind of weaponized misogyny. Like I don't even it's need not kind of. Right. But <laughs> but you know, I don't need to say that I would absolutely never rape anyone ever and the rape, crime of rape is 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 horrifying. Instead he says, uh, she's a five. You know, she's not hot enough to rape. It, it's like a paradigm shift that is terrifying. And by the way, I don't think it will be undone anytime soon let's 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 do because i mean we've been going on for a bit let's let's shift gears and do one um final do one final thing here um we can't not talk about this because it's the only thing that anybody i know is actually talking about the united states women's soccer team who is one i'm not mad i I didn't say a thing about it i'm not mad about it Oh. Not mad about it at all. Everyone's <laughs> talking about it, though. And it is funny. They won the World Cup and the place broke out into equal pay chance. Yeah. And I realized that this is nothing to do with soccer. And everyone I talked to, I'm like, have you ever watched soccer before? Like, I don't know. It's the one where the guy hits the home run, right? right? I'm like, no, that's <laughs> not that one. And then the, the, the what's the woman's name? Megan Rapino. Rapino, who's out making these um, very grand political statements all the time. Yeah. Um, and I can't blame her in some sense because was forced upon her because Donald Trump attacked her or yeah, she attacked him first? Are, Maybe she did it first. She kind of did There's it There's a lot she of was, back and She was asked the one if, thing if she would go to the White House and she's like, fuck no. Uh, the one thing I will say about this is that because everything else I could possibly say will get me in trouble. And, and I don't want to Anything you say about this may you Oh, know, 100%. Yeah, this but is a very, this is not live to tape. I can, right, I can exactly, change this if yeah. I need to. But I, the one thing that's kind of disconcerting about it is that w- everything is 
political these days. I know this is a boring point and a sort of remedial point, but she wouldn't stand for the national anthem. And there's a heroism that people uh, attribute to that based on nothing. There's no debate about why someone does that. And she had in, I think, 2016 or 17, mentioned a, a, a kid who was shot by a cop in a kind of complicated case because um, he, he had a he had a a gun that looked incredibly real. And this, you can look at the image and the police showed it. Um, and that was for her because some, a kid was caught. And let's, let's pretend that I don't know the details of the case, but let's pretend that that was um, a, not only just a tragedy, which it a- absolutely is, but an unjust tragedy. And that person should be thrown, whatever, they've been put in prison. Why? Like it's, we've come to this point where it's this kind of showboating that bothers me. Is that because that happened, and it is horrible that it did, that I can't, I can't say anything positive about the United States of America because this happened, and I'm trying to figure out when these people are on their knee, what country, including countries that have more sort of generous social welfare policies, whether it's Sweden, Denmark, whatever, does not have problems that are the same, if not worse. I think in Sweden, where I lived, I mean, ASAP Rocky, the rapper, uh, who I really like, and I've actually done some stuff with a long time ago advice, was arrested in Sweden and has been in jail and is probably going to be there for getting in a fight. And Rocky posted the video and he did nothing wrong. And the Swedes have this guy still in jail and I'm like, wait, so that's jails in Sweden. Yeah. I mean, they all, it's, it's nice just one jails. giant Xbox. Is it in an Ikea? <laughs> it's, it's in sauna. It, it's in, yeah. It's, do they have little meatballs? It's in a, like a, like a Richard Neutra house. It's amazing. <laughs> Off a cliff and very it's glass. Chic. Very chic. On the water. But I just like, I mean, everyone, no one's thinking anymore. And I think that, that this administration and this moment, people are just, we, we don't, as I was saying before, we don't think about ideas and about ideology anymore. We just like attacking and like, we're talking like, about. Well, I'm saying that people talk about purple haired lesbians. Yeah. I mean, like, like no one is actually grappling with why this woman is taking a knee, for instance, or, or taking the knee is, it's the the story behind it is pretty cool. I mean, well, he had wanted to find the most respectful way to protest. And that's why. Oh, no, I mean about her because she, she is mentioned as like a white woman um, has, gave us said a story it's like 2016 17 when Ka- Kaepernick was doing it about police violence and right. blah 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 and as we've talked about in the show many many times those numbers are fairly interesting and worth discussing and disputed in a lot of ways and Camille disputes them if this is an epidemic or if it is not if these are individual bad actors or if this is something that is in the DNA of America or if police are just like tough guys dependent regardless of what the race of the person they're fucking up is but we haven't had this conversation, which I think is a very basic one, that even if that were true in the worst case scenario, do we go to a point, because I think it's extremism in some way, we, we denounce it and we should when Sean Hannity does it, right. or when Jacob Wall is like, we condemn the country in which we live in, which by the way, has a very, very checkered and bad history, but I think in some ways has done a very good job or a better job than a lot of other countries of trying to, you know have some reckoning with it. And you look at that in the Democratic debate. I mean, you look at Kamala Harris. Busing is his, Joe Biden's position on busing, which is the bog standard position of Democrats in the past, and of people who didn't want their kids taken out 
of their own districts. That was just normal. And now that is like anathema. It is poison. And we've made these incredible strides in progress. And it doesn't mean that this experiment is done. It doesn't mean that everything is perfect and we have to walk away and say, nice job, America. We got exactly in a Francis Fukuyama way. End of history. We're done. But I also don't like the other end of that. And the other end of that is a complete condemnation in saying that I can't even stand for this kind of banal national anthem. We do this as a ritualistic thing. It's not a political thing. I can't even do it because this country is so poisoned. I don't buy it. And not only do I not buy it, the problem that I have with it is nobody's debating it. Nobody's, people are just saying like, oh my God, this woman, you know, I can die now. She's doing this great stuff. It's like, yeah, I mean, she seems like a decent person. I don't have any problem with her. Here's a way to uh, agree with you and then disagree with you, which is to say that even today, uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg said we have to- I'm in about a 1% agree with me on this position by the way so. uh, yeah. well it's it he it's came a out- hard agreement because we do have donald trump if we didn't have donald trump as president if we even had ted cruz as president i could maybe agree but we seem to have no, taken I, a few steps I, backward. I, I think i think i'm more worried about pete Buttigieg saying that because of the history of racism in this country we have to uh, to get rid of the electoral college yeah. um that seems to me a stretch uh, kind of a, a, a radical redo. Maybe he's right. Maybe I my mind is too close to understand that. But uh, that that's the way he's looking at it. Beto O'Rourke, um, you know, is trying really hard to make sure that no one knows that he's actually a centrist <laughs> about a whole bunch of different things. Um, was uh, said uh, two or three days ago um, uh, uh, to a group full of uh, immigrants that you've basically just come to a racist country and you should know this, that the, the, the institution of race, that's what you know, he basically gave the kind of the Ta-Nehisi Coates rap to a group of very recent immigrants who just came to the country. Who, who, who by the way, just by their very choice, don't think that kind of came yeah. to this country. Yeah. Uh, I'm more uh, interested in and worried about at the root level that than what Megan Rapino does or does not do during the national anthem. What I like about what she does is the same thing that I like about uh, the guys who did the Black Power Fists in Mexico City, Tommy, uh, what's his face? Uh, 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 not, so William, um, Carlos, uh, yes. uh, John uh, we, Carlos and the Williams. I will, I, I, I'm, I'm yeah. like doing Tommy James because yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. the Tommy all, Laren. all the way down. Um, uh, or with Joe Namath in, in Super Bowl Three, or with Muhammad Ali. People who talk shit. Like straight up, regardless of whether I agree with the shit precisely, um, but who just Tommy like, Smith and John Carlos. Tommy Smith. I wish all yeah. that. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Tommy yeah. Smith. Um, who talk shit and then back it up and play like an arrogant motherfucker, which she totally did. And she totally backed it up, brought the World Cup home. And I kind of don't care about whatever her politics and it's her are. Fourth. No, no, it's not about her politics. That's what, that's I, what I, 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 I enjoyed it as an no, act no. of American arrogance. It's, it's, it's not more a, than again, uh, a, 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 whatever her politics are. To be clear about this, I don't care about her politics and I'm happy she has them and I'm happy that she has a platform to actually, you know, talk about them and, and, and debate them with people. My problem is actually is just in the sort of kind of media discussion of this is that nobody actually wants to debate the merits. They're afraid to debate the merits. And we, we start with this idea. Presumption that, that, that it's all Yeah, that, that there is a, a pay gap problem. And I don't know if that's true because because I, you know, read Megan McArdle's piece in the Washington Post and a bunch of other pieces saying, well, actually this year they made more than the men, but yeah. blah, blah. But the pay gap math seems you know, a little it's, wonky. It's a little wonky and, no, and 
and to que- I, I, to question it, I don't. I wouldn't do that. Right. Megan does. I would never walk into an editorial meeting and the people, people that I work with be like, eh, I don't know if that's true. So we're at this kind of baseline. We just accept these things. Like, yeah, yeah, no, it's totally normal. You should get down on the knee. This country is a complete disaster. Like, I'm not a jingoist. I'm not this sort of flag waving nationalist. But I do think when I see this stuff, I'm like, okay, so you're taking individual things or a moment in American history, something you think is bad, and then saying, I cannot celebrate a country in which we actually have the opportunity to correct those things and are actually having a debate about it. If there is such a thing in, you know, the Kremlin or in, 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 in Russia or in, you know, I mean, I, I see people being arrested in England, for instance. One thing that actually bothered me about this, I sent this to a few friends of mine, the New York Police department is open to hate crimes investigation to somebody into people defacing somebody defaced the poster of her with apparently a homophobic slur, which is indefensible in any. I mean, nobody would defend. I hope nobody would defend that. Who listen to this podcast or us? But you know, what is? Are we at a point <laughs> which we're legislating this in the sense that like it, you can maybe get somebody for Graffiti's defacing or graffitiing? Graffiti, but like saying something, your your really horrible retrograde opinion on a thing that I, that worried me, and that's actually a thing. But we, one would hope we would have more conversation. But you're about gonna that. have. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. I've um, been yammering. So but you're gonna have a swing either way. I mean, you're gonna have the cities are always gonna, you know, the New York and San Francisco are always gonna sort of overreact to certain things. Not that I'm saying. It's not a hate crime because, you know, I, I don't really know about Defacing that. But poster. Right. Well, I'm not going to speak to that because I don't know what the it's a dick larger move. It's not a crime. It's a right, dick move. I don't know what the larger story there is, but I just think that you're always going to have the coasts be a little more progressive in a certain way. And they're reacting to a certain extent to Trumpism. Hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't know that you can look at this unless you look at the whole, which yeah, but I, I think one of the, the questions is, and this is the thing that everyone's tried to figure out, and there's different opinions on this, and I wish Camille was here for, for this, is that does Trumpism in this hopefully a four-year period um, mean that America has gone back and is irredeemably racist? Well, I don't know. Getting back to its sort of racist core. I don't actually believe that to be true. I think that it, he's indulged racist, um, and Camille and I dis- disagree on this, in ways that previous presidents have not since, you know, a very, a very long time ago. But, uh, you know. Actually, Woodrow Wilson. Uh, Nixon, arguably, Nixon, indulged yeah. his own racism. <laughs> no. yeah, but well. Nixon, I mean, again, and pe- with me, Sammy. people always have problems with Nixon. Like, you don't want to lionize Nixon <laughs> yeah. for... Well, Nixon, and Nixon you know, but. affirmative action was boosted under Nixon. All right, we, we talked a lot here. Let's do one final thing and yes. get the hell out of here. Um, we do a thing, Molly, on the show Uh-oh. that we're very, very yeah. bad at. Oh, no, these days. No, no, it's not as bad. Um, it's not bad at all. Um, we tend to not come prepared for this, but we do a segment, which we've kind of flagged on a little bit called some idiot wrote this. Oh, good. And we take a piece that, um, has been particularly idiotic, but the problem is recently there's so much of it. We tend not to remember them. (laughs) Um, do you have anything, Matt? No. (laughs) Molly, anything that sticks in your head? Uh, Something bad. Yeah, this week. Yes, Yes, Charlie. Oh, I have one. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I win. Charlie Kirk's op-ed in the Washington Post he today. Did, he did get in the Post today. Charlie Kirk got in the Post? Yeah. In, oh in the Washington Post, not the New York Post. Yeah, not the Jakarta Post. <laughs> right, yeah. not the, the Jakarta The Washington Post. And what was the piece? It was about tech companies should be 
uh, regulated like publishing houses. Right? Oh, that's a real conservative position. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That conservatism Classically. is yeah <laughs> is keeping keeping you know yeah, steady pro regulation yeah. conservatism. So that's the dumb. Um, and it was the interesting thing about the piece was that he I, I would be real surprised. It, it read like someone helped him. Someone helped him and who also didn't understand what Section 230 of the Communications <laughs> yeah. Act actually yeah, yes. says you, or does not. Yeah, can you kind speak of, to this? No, I can't. And not in any uh, Moynihan uh, can do this. Oh, I, I can't. No, I will say that I uh, had one um, today that annoyed me because I, I watched Aziz Ansari's um, new stand-up special on Netflix. Yeah, was um, it good? I don't find him particularly funny. Um, I, I thought it was, I thought he's a, I think he's, he's good. He's a good on, actor. He's a good actor. He's yeah. good like in comic TV, like as a standup. I don't but like him that much. Is any standup really good? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to get to that because I think, you know, it was, it dealt with his situation. I don't think in the greatest way, but, um, you know, the accusations against him of sexual harassment or sexual misconduct. Uh, but he did have a funny thing about the whole thing was about wokeness. And I was watching that and I was like, man, have we, kind of turned a corner here because you have an Indian American guy and he's making fun of white people, by the way, that's how he did it. He's like, you know, white liberals were kind of his target. And then I, um, um, picked up the newspaper today and my summary wrote this is a um, piece in the New York times, uh, reviewing, uh, Dave Chappelle, who's doing 10 nights in New York city. Doing a stand-up thing, Dave Chappelle got he's 60, so funny. He's so funny. He's really funny. He got sixty-five million dollars for four stand-up and specials, and he deserves it, man. And he, Every penny. The best thing about it, it's fuck you money. It just does not he's care. So good. So he uh, was attacked by the New York Times today, and I always recommend people take the wait. Why? Uh, well, that's yeah, exactly what you think. You, you you take the byline and Google the person, and you can always tell if they're funny. Right. This is a, some, you know, sort of nebbish. You're like, this guy. Who, what, who was it? I don't know. Some asshole. Some oh, asshole yeah. doesn't know comedy. I'm, I'm Googling So um, right I, I thought that this, there are a couple of things that you do when you attack people because you don't like their politics. And basically Dave Chappelle's thing is like making fun of trans stuff and making fun son of, you know, PC stuff here and there. And so you go in full bore and attack him and pretend it's about comedy. And I, I enjoyed this. It's um, a joke that is... Um, was followed by effusive praise for private jets is not exactly relatable. And he goes into a little thing about like, apparently comedy is supposed to be relatable. You're supposed to make jokes about things that I understand and not Dave Chappelle. So, but it gets, it gets a thousand, a thousand times worse. Uh, this is my favorite bit, but his fiercely independent streak has led to a more, a more indulgent performer constantly doubling down, returning to old obsessions, courting controversy, and then exploiting it in his shows to play the beleaguered star. So the thing about this, I think is really funny is that, is that this stuff that he's making fun of like trans debates and all these kind of culture war debates are everywhere in the culture. You cannot escape them. You cannot open your mouth without thinking twice about what you're saying. And then, Let alone the fucking New York Times Slack channel. Well, yeah, I was attacking <laughs> people, you know. And it, it, and now when you treat it with the exact amount of sort of frequency and ferocity that you, then you're accused of talking about it too much. And then this is my favorite bit. Um, the last one was my favorite, but then I didn't see this. This is even better. Is that Ch- Chappelle has become the bizarro Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers, by the way, one of the greatest comedians I of all time. I love Joan Rivers. One of the funniest women so funny. ever to yeah. live. She's fucking um, brilliant. 
obsessed with celebrities, but not to skewer them so much as to play their defense attorney. In his new show, he does Louis C.K. few favors by defending him limply. By the way, this is not about comedy. This is like somebody doing like a political piece, defending him limply. He also speaks up for Kevin Hart, who, in his telling, lived a blameless life when his dream of hosting the Oscars was dashed because of a few tweets. I really doubt that he posited that he lived a blameless life. But go on. Uh, no, but this keeps going. And... um the point being is that he's defending celebrities because they're comics and they're his friends and he doesn't believe the charges. And I think the interesting thing about pieces like this are that the absolute baseline of this, when you're reading this, the expectation from the reader is that they believe that these people have done something wrong. And I don't believe that Aziz Ansari did anything wrong at all. I think Louis is a weirdo. I don't think he should be run out of society. But, you know, this is the kind of stuff that all this stuff now is if you address this stuff in your comic, you're going to be reviewed on the merits of the politics of this stuff. And not, not about that, whether the jokes are funny. And not only that, but the, the whole like, uh, oh, he's making jokes about his private plane, you know, shaking my damn head at, at, at that's not being relatable. That's actually what he's trying to do is to relate to you how weird his situation is mm. and also how great it is. Like uh, it's, a, it's a comic taking Does the piss really out of himself. private plane? I would hope so. If you're that rich, well, when he you? says, I, I don't fly commercial. Yeah, uh, I think he's, I mean, you get $65 million for four specials. You probably yep. have a private, private plane. Private planes are really expensive. And maybe net jets. All right. That yes, is okay. Jets. But I worry about him blowing through the money. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not so worried. I'm no, worried. It's my expectation. I get very worried about people where they get, you know, I don't like this. It's literally the most Jewish thing I've ever heard in my life. It's you're like, true. you're wearing a Jewish mother. You're I like worried concerned. about it. Yeah. I get concerned. When I hear private planes, I think, easy the, come, easy go. Like yeah. hammer. Yeah. Oh, MC Hammer. Mm-hmm. I love that you referred to him as if he was like one of your close friends. Well, no. What? Hammer. The yeah. Hammer. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It, he blew everything. He blew everything. You know, it's very easy to blow it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm Jewish, so yeah. I get very concerned. I but think do, it's, do, do, it's do, fitting that we found a way to talk about Jeffrey Epstein without talking about him. Yeah. Yeah. Just private well, planes. We didn't talk and about Jeffrey money. Epstein. And he private, has 18. Private planes in Judaism? Is that what you're saying? 18 That's vehicles. Like, 18 but also, vehicles. Bad for the Jews. Jeffrey Jeff- Epstein, bad for the Jews. Yes, there is a. Um, an I'm old, probably going to tweet that later. An old uh, radio host that <laughs> your mother would probably remember uh, from New York, and I think it was WAMC, named Barry Farber. Do you remember Barry Farber? No, I'm uh, Jewish, a Jewish guy from South Carolina, but he was Oof. like original kind of maybe. Cons- he ran against Bella Abzug, which oh wow, weird, old feminist. But he referenced with the hats. yeah with the hats. He referenced some person that we all knew who was who was a horrible monster, and it was Jewish. And, and Barry, of course, himself Jewish, at the dinner table, looked across and he said, Michael, he's the type of man who creates anti-Semites. And I was like, you know what? That's it. Yeah, I get that. I get that. That's an Epstein. Bad for the Jews. All right. Well, we have gone on way too long. Yes. Molly Yong Jong. Oh, Jesus fast. Christ. It's Jong like Kim Jong. I know. But I wanted to say because he was a German guy directing There's, the film. Yeah, that's right. Yong. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, you're, gonna, you're a favorite. A really? Favorite. Oh, absolutely. Can I get mean Tina? I want to eclipse mean Tina. I mean, Tina. I, Tina's I, actually a really good friend of mine. I love Tina's her. Tina's great. I saw Tina at your house. Actually. No, I love yes. her. She's uh, one of the great people. She's fantastic. We'll have her back on. Um, Matt Welch, you have anything else to say before we go? Just read uh, Tina's piece in Vanity Fair about Justin Amash, which uh, broke right before. <laughs> oh, wow. Because oh, it quotes you extensively. Yeah. yeah, yeah Does yeah, it yeah. quote you extensively? Yeah, yeah, I'm the first. Yeah. In there. A lot of reasons. <laughs> Who's counting? Stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, well, 
I really hope people that will be back next week, um, but it's the summer and who knows, Matt has a house in the Hamptons. We'll probably all be there. Yeah. You have a house in the Hamptons? Fuck no, I don't. You take the jet there? No, I've <laughs> never been there in my life. I once drove like 45 minutes uh, that direction down Long Island to go to like some kitty zoo. That's as far as I've been. Uh, I am this tan because I was an amagansett last week because I'm a very fancy person. You have a, yeah, you I'm a bit, kind of yeah, are, I look, yeah. I'm a bit. I'm, I look amazing. I don't think you should say that. What? I'm not supposed to say that? Okay, cut that out. I'll reset now and say, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The fifth column. Thank Beautiful. you for having me. No, thanks for Who's Camille? I want to meet Camille.